Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. So we had, um, I would say we had an exciting week one, uh, an exciting week one of uh, of NFL football where I, I, the storylines, I kind of figured the, the, the storylines would be just like we would have a lot of a lot to talk about. And I was kind of I was really it was hard to decipher what I really wanted to talk about. But uh, obviously, you know, I feel bad for the Jazz fans. I feel bad for Jazz fans. I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, we all know what happened. Aaron Rodgers had a season in the injury on Monday Night Football um, on his first drive as a Jet. Right? Um, that 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 was kind of that's that's can't really top that. Really, that's kind of like bad news. But there was a lot of outside of that. There was a lot of exciting um, headlines for week one, right? Um, we could talk about how the Cowboys and 49ers were absolutely dominant um, in their wins. We could also talk about how the Rams probably had the most impressive win um, of the weekend. Uh, like the most impressive, probably not the most impressive, but probably like the most surprising most shocking win. Um, the Browns had a pretty good win versus the Bengals. Like th- those are kind of some good takeaways. Uh, Green Bay, Jordan Love, you know, they continue to just own Chicago um, and the Bears and Justin Fields still, you know, trying to figure things out. Um, but uh, we can get a lot. We can get into a lot of things. But I think I want to start with Tua and the Dolphins beating the Chargers at L.A. I want to get into that. <clears throat> and I, and by the way, so first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah K of the Isaiah K Podcast. Shouts out to everyone that may be listening. Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. Shouts out to all the regular listeners. If you are a regular listener, uh, I completely appreciate it. If you are a first-time listener, welcome on aboard. Um, like I said, uh, you, know, th- you know, this is the football season, so – we do this every week where we come in, we kind of recap um, for, you know, most of the, the, the big headlines, right? Um, but week one is just so much. There's just so much to cover, so much meat on the bone. So we got to, gotta like, I feel like I got to unpack a lot of things, especially in week one. As the season goes on, we'll know who's good. We'll know who's bad. I will spend, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I will spend a lot of my time on the really, really good teams. So, if your team is bad, I probably won't talk about them much. But if your team is really good, I will talk about them a lot. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's how it's gonna go. But uh, like I said, I want to start first. I want to start with I want to make an like, a, and I think I think this is completely fair. <laughs> I think this is completely fair. But I want to make one small edit to my NFL predictions. And I, I always give myself one, one freebie where I can make one edit. Uh, and usually it's due to like a catastrophic injury. So, for instance, Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles, which was completely unfortunate. And like I really, I really feel bad because and, and the Jets end up winning that game. Kind of makes you wonder, like, wow, the Jets won that game. Their defense looked really good. What could have been, right? So, I obviously I was high on the Jets. I had I picked them to win a division. I want to change that. I want to change that. I think I'm and I and hey, overreaction if you want to call it, but I think I'm going to choose the Miami Dolphins to win the a- the AFC East. Now, with the catastrophic injury of Aaron Rodgers, I, like I said, I think it's completely fair that I give myself a little bit of breathing room and I change my pick for the AFC East because of that catastrophic injury to Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, and, and briefly on that, it this like an injury like Aaron Rodgers, it hurts. Everyone that's involved, like literally everyone that's involved, B- 
because not just Jet fans and the Jets organization, obviously, because both had high aspirations and had high expectations for what this year could be, right? Same for Aaron Rodgers. But me personally, I was kind of I would I kind of liked and I was favoring this Aaron Rodgers rebrand. Like I think there was like a rebrand and a retooling of his personality that was happening. So I was me, I was a fan of that. But then also I look at it from uh NFL perspective, uh from uh content creation purposes, like with Aaron Rodgers goes down, like it, it, we the NFL and like content purposes, there's a lot of talking points that just kind of like go away. Um, and then for and from the NFL perspective, there's about eight to ten games, good games that we knew we were gonna have, and now we're missing out on. So it like it does the Aaron Rodgers injury and his effect doesn't just hurt the jets it kind of hurts like everyone in the business so um speedy recovery for Aaron Rodgers but that's just unfortunate now back to the biggest headlines like i said there's so many things i can start with but i i have to talk about Tua Tyreek Hill the Dolphins going on the road and will in winning uh, a thriller versus the Chargers, thirty six to thirty four, and Tyreek Hill goes crazy, two of those for four hundred and sixty six yards. Tyreek Hill goes for two hundred plus yards and two touchdowns. Um, I, I mean, and I don't. Week one is also you can't overreact. A lot of overreaction happens in week one right like the Steelers the 49ers kind of handed it to the Steelers and I bet you a lot of people are like and and you guys know if you listen to my previous episode you guys know that I'm high on the Steelers now that loss kind of has me questioning certain things but I'm not going to backtrack I'm not going to pivot over what I said in the previous episode about the Steelers um but some people may like hey you know okay like they got they got absolutely boat raced and they did, but it was also by the 49ers, a pretty good team. Uh, probably the, they, they looked the best this weekend, probably, right? But with this Chargers team, and you can go back and listen to my predictions video when I or my episode where I talked about the Chargers and the expectations, it's kind of it, like we already knew this. It's just like more icing on the cake, and it just adds more pressure to what we already knew. And that is Brandon Staley is completely over his head. He's completely over his head. I, and I don't want to. I don't want to make it seem like I'm poo-pooing what the Dolphins did because the Dolphins and Tua Do, Tua himself had a great performance. So I don't want to. I don't want to down that and overlook that. But I, I think the more telling thing is the Chargers organization as a whole, they are letting Justin Herbert down, right? Like from Brandon Staley with his ineptitude as a coach in terms of game planning, but then also making in-game adjust adjustments from ownership being historically cheap and it's weird with the chargers because the chargers do have that like owners like dean spanos he has this notion of being historically cheap especially when it comes to coaches and you look at um for instance before sean payton took the broncos job i don't know how many people are aware but sean payton last year was working for fox he was in L.A. Time and time, any chance that he got to talk about the Chargers and how much he liked Justin Herbert and the players and the pieces that they have, he would do it time and time again. He will openly talk about it. 
that was a I thought for me, especially looking at how the season ended last year, where Staley, where Staley was just like completely over, like over his head. They lost the playoff game, and they lost, and and not not just them losing the playoff game, but it's in the fashion that they lost it. It's like okay, last couple games, Chargers offense have scored thirty plus points. Why the hell have they lost the last three games? Well, you look at their defense. Their defense is, I don't, it's it's mind boggling. It's head scratching. But I mentioned the Sean Payton piece because the Chargers, before the Broncos hired him, the Chargers had him in their own backyard, and they could have hired Sean Payton, who we all know. We can, I think we can all agree that Brandon Staley and Sean Payton, in terms of coaching, is on two different stratospheres. And Sean Payton would absolutely, I think, do a. this would be a heck of a job for Sean Payton with this Chargers team. And you look at who they have at quarterback with Justin Herbert. So it kind of like we can blame Brandon Staley, but we kind of already knew this. Like we already knew he was over his head. We kind of already knew that he is in ep- to making in-game um, changes and in-game adjustments, we that should not be a surprise. But I think we all, like, because I, I hear a lot of people talk about the Chargers' laws, and we're talking about Brandon Staley. And, yes, we should, right? Because the defense, time and time again, just leaves you, like, leaves you head-scratching. But I think, ultimately... You have to look at the decision maker and who cuts the checks. And I think this is completely obvious. Chargers ownership kind of feeding into the notion they're historically cheap. And, like, I don't care. And for me, I'm kind of like, I don't care what business um, or what industry you're in. You can't be cheap or you can't cut corners with the most important things, right? It's like, say you're remodeling a house, right? And you you put hundreds of thousands of dollars into remodeling your house. But then when it's actually time to buy furniture and, you know, you're looking at your, you know, you're looking at your pockets and you're like, oh, I mean, can I, can I, I can go cheat with the, it's like, why go cheat with the furniture? You then went all out and remodeling your house, making your house look nice, right? <laughs> Why go cheap? Why go the cheap route with furniture? You might as well go all in. You might as well go all in. You might as well go all in. <laughs> Why remodel your house? And then you're like, okay, I'll just get some cheap furniture. Like, no. Go all in. I'm not saying get the most expensive furniture, but make it worth something. Get some good quality, right? So with it's the same thing with football. I think we over we oversimplify and overcomplicate things. What's the two most important things in football? And in terms of in terms of building a good football team, first the quarterback, but then coach. Well, the Chargers, you pay, you gave Justin Herbert two hundred million dollars just to have him stuck with in a below average coach. What's the what's the point of that? You spend money on the quarterback. Hell, fire Brandon Staley. They sh- what they should have done was fire Brandon Staley and went out and actually spent money on Sean Payton. What's the point? What's the point of having a brand new stadium? What's the point of giving your your, your young superstar quarterback, which I think Justin Herbert is, right? $200 million. You spend all this money on defense. Why not go all in with a coach? Why not go all in with a coach? And for me, like, it's pretty staggering when you look at the the numbers that the Dolphins put up against the Chargers defense. And usually, just the Dolphins, they had 14 pass plays that went for 15-plus yards. Um, Like, I think that right there... That stat alone is crazy. I think I actually found so 
that's happened only one other time in the last 6,000 NFL games. <laughs> so, like, that, to, to put that stat in perspective, it's happened twice in over, like, like, like I said, the last, like, 6,000-plus NFL games. So that like that 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 kind of shows you the alarming um cause for pause in terms of what what is happening with the Chargers and Brandon Staley. And you know, my pet peeve is hey, if I hire you as a defensive minded coach, I'm expecting the defense to be pretty good. I mean, at least with Robert Sala, like guys like Robert Sala, we're like you got we we're kind of unsure if he's like a good coach or a really good coach. The one thing he's got right in New York is the defense. That's the one thing he's got right in New York is the defense. You know, you know, Mike McDaniel. Hey, Mike McDaniel, and the Dolphins. Uh, he he he's a Kyle Shanahan protege. He's a Kyle Shanahan guy. The one thing he's got right, in Miami. <laughs> Certainly the offense, right? So. That that's my pet peeve. That's that's one of my pet peeves. Uh, if you if I hire you as an offensive minded guy, I want the offense to be pretty good, at least the bare minimum. Same goes for defense, vice versa. So I I like it. Don't you don't have to be like Bill Parcells or um, you don't have to be Chuck Noll or John Madden. To see that the shit that 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 Brandon Staley does or run like it's not working, like I kind of talked about it, but the Chargers want a lot. They want to run a lot of man-to-man coverage, and quite frankly, you ask yourself, do they have the per- do they have the personnel to do that? They do, but I wouldn't do that because I'm playing against the fastest, if not one of the fastest players in NFL history, and clearly my corner cannot keep up man-to-man. I think Tyree Hill numbers versus single coverage was 10. I think he had 10 catches um, for 165 yards just on man-to-man coverage alone. Single man coverage. So I, I, I just don't like the direction that this, this Chargers team is going in already. Like I said, I told you guys, I think if shit is the fan and this and Brandon Staley continues to cough up games like he has been. Because over the last three games the Chargers have played, they've had zero turnovers on offense. They've scored 30-plus points, and they have seven takeaways. And they still have lost each of the last three games. What the hell is going on? That's a coaching problem, and we know that. What should the owner do about it? The owner should have fired him. But – Kept him around, but like I said, if shit, if, if things continue to hit the fan, I think Staley's gone. I think Staley, I think Staley may, I, I think Staley's gone, and it's, I think it's probably a, like I said, cheap, but it's probably an easy hire for the owner to just promote Kellen Moore as the new head coach. If 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 we continue to go down this path, I mean, continuously, like it's malpractice at this point. The things that Brandon, that things that Brandon Staley is doing in terms of or his or lack thereof that he's not doing in terms of in-game adjustments like i think it's just complete ineptness it's complete ineptness at the fullest um and it has to make you wonder like well okay do i are we just overreacting to the to the chargers or the dolphins just damn i think it's a little bit of both i think the char i think the dolphins are this good too i think they're this good I think they are this good when they have a healthy tour. He is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in football. Um, we do make his we make the occasional jokes and the giggles and laughs about his arm, but I think time and time again, when he's healthy, when he's on the field, and there were some questions because, like, hey, like, did the did the dolphin like did defenses and teams start to figure out the dolphins? And it's like, no. Like, I think that question's kind of been answered. They've added some new wrinkles to this offense, and I like it. I do like it. Next story I want to get to, um, the Bills. Josh Allen look horrendous. So, 
Um, another topic that I wanted to talk about, or another game that I just thought, like, I, like obviously, and I kind of talked about it a little bit, but it was the Jets Bills Monday Night Football game, and I, you know, like I said I, I felt really, really bad for Jet fans, um, Aaron Rodgers. Like, I felt bad for Aaron Rodgers the most because first, you don't ever want to see that happen to like a like an injury like that. You don't ever see happen, but then. You know, everything going into it, you know, this was his opportunity to have, like, his quote-unquote Tom Brady moment. And, you know, the Jets, New York, as a city, as a whole, embraced him. Um, Like, they, like, the fans were super amped. So, that's just so unfortunate that that happened like that so catastrophically, right? Um... And obviously the Jets, they're, I mean, defensively, they're as, they're really good. Not surprised that they held their end of the bargain defensively. Um, you know, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, right? Uh, but you kind of feel, you kind of feel a little lifeless from the Jets in terms of offensively. Um, I, I you know, I, they're going to be probably be looking for, you know, other options at the quarterback spot. But if Zach Wilson, you know, maybe, who knows? Maybe this is opportunity to redeem himself or resurrect himself. Who knows? I don't know. Um, I'm not betting on that happening, but I've seen crazier things. I've seen some crazy things happen. And speaking of crazy things happening, I want to get to the Bills side of this thing because I picked them to be a playoff team, and – I'm going to stand by that because I already did one edit. I put the Jets as the division winner. I mean, the Dolphins as division winner uh, due to Aaron Rodgers' catastrophic injury, right? But with the Bills and more more so Josh Allen, I can't really put it into really into words, but I think it's pretty telling and obvious at this, now after this type of performance. The last two years has totally you have you you can't ignore the regression that we have been seeing from Josh Allen. And I I kind of I, I kind of talked about this last year where the sporadic play and the, just the ridiculous decision making, I think at times uh he plays really, really loosey goosey. I have called him this generation's Brett Favre. And and that can be a compliment, but also a downfall because Brett, especially peak Brett Favre, um, arm talent was just phenomenal. And at that time in the league, no one had really kind of seen that type of arm talent outside of like Elway, like that that type of arm talent and what he was doing with his ability wasn't quite seen. Right. That's part of the reason why he won three straight MVPs. But in that same instance, especially as Mike Holgram left the Packers, Rod, I mean, Rodgers, uh, Brett became very loosey-goosey and had this innate ability and tendencies to make horrible decisions. <laughs> like, as a passer, he, he had this ability to make horrible decisions. Because of the confidence and the flair of the arm talent and his abilities. And I have long said that about Josh Allen. Now, the thing with the Bills and Josh Allen in this situation is this has been happening for the last two and a half years. And it, it I hate to be this guy, but it behooves me where we have national media members constantly killing Dak Prescott. I mean, and not just national media members, but like a lot of people that create content. We, they, you, like, they kill Dak Prescott and it's it's just plastered everywhere on how turnover prone Dak Prescott is. But in the last 34 games, Josh Allen has 32 interceptions. So, like, so that's not even counting the fumbles that he probably have. 
But in the last 34 games, he has 32 interceptions. That is an abomination in terms of the caliber that the, the, the caliber of player that many of us think Josh Allen is. Like some people think Josh Allen is quarterback is QB two. Some people think he's third. Some pop some think most of us probably think he's a top five quarterback. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but if we're gonna give him this title and hold him to such standard, uh, or we're gonna give him this title, then we gotta hold him to such standard because that type of play is just not. Super Bowl championship caliber football. I mean, that's just not winning football. Forget championship or super. Like, that's not winning football. And I think you look at, I think the Monday night game is such an embarrassment because Aaron Rodgers just went down. That's that kind of like took the life out of the Jets a little bit. Like, that took the life out of the Jets. But then, like, also, schematically, the game becomes a lot easier. All the Bills have to do, all Josh, Josh Allen has to do is take care of the football, and the Bills win. The Bills win. That's all he has to do. Take care of the football, and the Bills win. No. Four turnovers. Four Josh Allen turnovers, and the Bills find a way to lose the game, or the, I should say, the Jets find a way to win the game. And I, I, like I say, hey, the last two years, two and a half years, this has been a thing. This has been a thing for Josh Allen, where the turnovers are gut wrenching, and it it has lost the Bills football games. It's lost in football games. So as super athletic and as big of an athlete Josh Allen is, and he has a great arm and he can he can make throws that probably only two other quarterbacks can probably make in this late. Cool. That's great. But I think a lot of that tends and is starting to get overshadowed when it's just so much careless football being played and left out there on the field. And I think Monday night was the cherry on top to what has been building up and I feel like should be discussed more, but it's now going to get discussed more because Monday night was a cherry on top. It was like, okay. It it was a cherry on top to like everything that's been building up since 2018, and and I and I just give you guys this this notion, like that Dak Prescott is just this turnover machine, right? Well, for instance, since 2018, Josh Allen has the most turnovers at the quarterback spot since 2018. Dak Prescott is not even in the top five. So people make these, the they like we we go out on these tangents, and people are like, "Man, Dak Prescott, the interceptions." But I can read you the list of guys since 2018, September 11th, since 2018, all the way to September 11th, 2023. In the last five years, Josh Allen has the most turnovers by a quarterback with 84 turnovers. You know who's second? Jared Goff. You know who's right behind that? Matt uh, Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz. Dak Prescott is not on that. He's not on that list. So when I hear people talk about all oh, Dak's turnovers and the turnovers for Dak, like we got to stop that notion. That is a clear, that is a clear agenda. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that is a clear agenda where we, where, you know, like I said, national media members want to point out and nitpick and talk about, oh, Dax turnovers, Dax interceptions, this, that. That is a clear agenda that we are trying to put out. 
We should not be doing that. We should not be doing that. If we're going to tell the whole story, if we're going to tell a story, let's tell it. Let's tell the whole thing. Because with when it comes to turnovers and Josh Allen, Josh Allen, uh, uh, man, man, he is atrocious. And Monday night, it looked really bad. Now, that's what I said. The Bills, it's not like they have this great, like their defense isn't as good as it was Josh Allen's first two years. So the margin for error and his mistakes, there's not a lot of margin for error, right, with his mistakes because their defense is a little bit older. Their defense lost some pieces, right? But that was that was as bad as a performance that you would see from that caliber of quarterback. Um, and, and and I know people are like, well, what about Joe Burrow? And yeah, Joe Burrow didn't play great on Sunday um, versus Cleveland. Um, he didn't. He didn't play. But he did not play great. Uh, now Cincinnati, they're they're known like over the past couple years. This has been their thing. They get off to really really slow starts. Um, they get off to really slow starts, right? And that's no excuse for Joe Burrow. Um, but Joe Burrow doesn't have a turnover issue, right? Just didn't play well. Uh, seventy one percent of his throws were outside of the numbers. So Cleveland made it difficult for uh Joe. They made they basically like hey complete some throws outside the numbers which Joe Burrow can do but it was lo- those are like low percentage throws and when you got a corner like Denzel Ward uh yeah that like those are gonna be really difficult plays to make consistently and then Cleveland's pass rush was really really good um but with Josh Allen they like they had opportunities to win this game. And they just couldn't come up with it. So I, you know, that's just that. That's just that. I mean, got to move on from that. But uh, I wanted to also, you know, like I kind of talked about this, but I think the most shocking win, um, or upset or game that I saw from week one. I think it had to be the Rams beating the Seahawks at Seattle. Uh, I, I I think it had. I mean, I th- I think it had to be that, cause I and and not just the Rams winning the football game, but in the fashion that they did so. I mean, the Rams they look pretty good, um, and a lot of this is like okay. First, Sean McVay. <laughs> He can coach a little bit, right? <laughs> kind of, he kind of remind. I think, I think the Rams had a bad year last year, and there isn't like great expectations or high expectations that they're going to be really good this year. So, I guess Sean McVay had to remind some people, like, hey, I can, I can still coach, <laughs> I can still dial it up offensively, and he, he, he did, he, they did a really good job, um, offensively, in, impressive game plan, and with, with Stafford. I think, which I think we all kind of like remember Stafford, him being placed in this predicament where he is, um, his teams are like under talented or he's on the, like he's used to being on the inferior teams, his years in Detroit. So him being able to ad lib and kind of figure things out and play not loose, but play with, you know, like house money. He's used to doing that. He's used to playing with house money. He's used to being the underdog. He is used to playing on inferior teams when it comes to NFL. Like his 11 years in Detroit, more times than not, he was the inferior team or he was on the inferior team taking the field. So, him being able to ad lib, um, he was he he was making some really good throws. I thought he had one of the best performances in of the weekend, um, kind of quietly too. I think he had one of the best performances quietly, but like 
really good, Re- really good. And then the, the defense for the Rams, I mean, I don't know if it was – I think more so Seattle. I, I'm still kind of skeptical of the Rams' defense. I think it was more so Seattle. Seattle, uh, they're not particularly great in ter- – they, they ha- they're not particularly great in terms of up front and forcing pre- – and getting, you know, pressure on the opposing team's quarterback. But – their offensive line wasn't uh, up to par versus L.A. Uh, Gino just just didn't look sharp, right? I, and I think I think Pete has a way of like kind of he 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 relies the the Seahawks they rely too much on the Jimmys and the Joes and not the X's and the O's, right? Like I think they they rely on that a lot. And that's their thing, like, hey, Gino Bell us out. Hey, DK Metcalf, he'll he'll find a way to create separation. Or hey, Tyler Lockett, he he can get make his way up the scene. Like, they I don't think they have enough easy things in terms of getting in a in a rhythm. Seattle doesn't have enough of that in their offense. Like every great, I feel like every great offense around the league that we see, like the Eagles, the 49ers. Um, the Rams, uh, like every great offensive mind or offensive minded coach, they have something that is easy, right? Like, cause Kyle Shanahan, he has all the talent in the world in San Francisco. He, I mean, <laughs> all the talent in the world, but he still can get really creative and sophisticated when it comes to the play calling. And it's not just him relying on George Kittle getting open. Or Christian McCaffrey breaking a, a big run. Like, he still gets creative. And I think Seattle kind of lacks that. But we'll see how long this Rams thing is. It, you know, Rams look, you know, I think Matthew Stafford looked really good. Um, but I don't I don't know the, the you know, sustainability of that um, because of the lack of depth that they have on that roster, really on both sides of the football. They were missing Cooper. They don't. They only have Cooper Cup because he's hurt. And then you look at on the defensive end, it's literally Aaron Donald and just dudes. Um, like the 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 they the Rams really really lack depth. I think they drafted fourteen players. All fourteen of those dudes made the damn roster. So like you kind of you kind of see like hey they're 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 kind of struggling at that depth position. Um, but impressive and a really surprising win by the Rams. Um, The Browns. I I think the Browns, when it comes to Deshaun Watson, didn't look too sharp. He looked okay. Um, Didn't look too sharp. But their defense and Jim Schwartz, uh, they look really, really good. But can I say I'm surprised about the Browns? I mean, yeah, beating the Bengals, yeah. But it was at home, inclement weather. And I think the Browns have won- they have beaten the Bengals six out of the last seven times that they have matched up. Um, So that's kind of like – I think Bengals fans are kind of like used to this. <laughs> like they're used to the Browns kind of like, you know, getting the best of them over the past couple years. Um, other big headlines, Cowboys, 49ers were both dominant and coming into the year, we all thought, or a lot of us thought like, Hey, like the AFC is just so deep, man. You got Kansas city, you got Buffalo, you got the Jets, you got the Dolphins, you got the Chargers, you got the Bills, Steelers, North, like, man, you got so many teams. Right. But I think as we sit here today. The three best teams in the league might all be in the NFC. Like, through and through, Miami looked really good. Philly didn't look too good. Offense, like, like Offensively, Philly didn't look too sharp. But through and through, the three best teams in the NFL might all be from the NFC. Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles. Cowboys, great win. Defensively, they look so, like, they look so fast. And the Niners, both defenses are as fast and as electrifying you will see in football. I think these are the two best defensive lines in football. I absolutely love 
how these two defenses play. With the Cowboys, their offense didn't really have to do much. Um, so not not really expecting much there. But with the Niners, another thing with the Niners, and I was just talking about it with Kyle, Shanahan. When you look at Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, that four in terms of running back, tight end, two wide receivers, I don't know if there's a better four in the league now. I don't know if there's a better four. McCaffrey, Kittle, and the two two receivers, Ayuk and Debo, I don't know if there's a better four. I don't know if there's a better four. There, I mean, and then it does, and then it doesn't help that you know Cal is just so creative offensively, but they, they, you know, the Niners look really, really good. So going into that, you guys know, um, or if you don't know, for my first time listeners, throughout the NFL season, I do a top ten teams list each and every week. It is I do it religiously. I spend too much time on it, some people may say. But I do it religiously. So we do it after every football Sunday and Monday. And, you know, you guys usually hear me on Tuesday or Wednesday. You'll get this episode or whatever. And, um, yeah, I do a top 10 teams list. It is not a power ranking. It's not how normal power rankings would work. I it, it I kind of take the 10 best teams. Um sometimes it's I, I, I take apart your record, but sometimes I don't care about your record. You could be a 500 team, but if I think you're trending towards a top 10 team and I think you're really good, you get on the list. So without further ado, let's get into it. Our top 10 teams list or my top 10 teams list. Okay, so at 10. As bad as I talked about Josh Allen, I do have the Bills at 10. Now, I don't particularly like this spot. It was really hard for me to find a team. Like, I could have picked the, you know, like the Browns or the Rams. I don't know. I, I'm I'm quite not sure if those teams are, like, top 10 caliber. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're top 10 caliber. But we, we'll see how this Bills thing go. I could only put so many teams, but hey, let's see if the Bills bounce back. Um, at nine, I have the Packers. Uh, Jordan Love actually had the highest passer rating for any quarterback this week. So, you know, Tua looked really good. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked really, really good. Uh, you know, Jerry Goff had a pretty good week, first week, but Jordan Love had the highest passer rating. And when I look at this Packers team, they're really young, especially on offense, but they're really young on both sides. But what I found so impressive was they were so good in critical situations. So on third and fourth down, the Packers were perfect. On third and fourth down, they were really good, really good in situational moments. They look like a whale oil machine. Matt LaFleur and his influence, you can see it in this offense, because you think about LaFleur, he wants to run the football. Um, Todd Gurley in 2017, guess who his play caller was? Matt LaFleur. He had his breakout year. The Rams ran the ball religiously. Um, you look at Derrick Henry's breakout year, his first couple breakout years. Who was the play caller? Matt LaFleur. So Matt LaFleur really wants to run the football. He's going to ease Jordan Love in. But, hey, on third down, he was like he, Matt LaFleur is really comfortable with letting Jordan Love drop back and make decisions. And he made pretty good ones. Packers at nine. At eight, I have the Ravens. Um, they played against a, a young Texans team. Uh, I'm not I, I'm not surprised that the Ravens won. Uh, I know some people, I know a lot of people are not too thrilled about my Ravens prediction. Like I said, I think this is gonna be a pretty good team. But already, what was my biggest knock on the Ravens? Their injuries. Their best players tend to get hurt. J.K. Dobbins, he's out. Torn ACL. Um, out for the season. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum, really good center, productive center. He's going to be missing some time. So already, the Ravens have some key injuries. 
And that is what I was worried about. Um, you know, Zay Flowers looked really, really good. Like Zay Flowers is gonna probably be a star in this league. Just saying. <laughs> he's gonna probably he's gonna probably be a star in this league. <laughs> um, so you know that 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 pick may work out for them, but I'm not surprised the Ravens won in dominant fashion. But I do worry about their health, um, and their nutrition. Ravens at eight, at seven, I have the Jaguars. I like the explosive element that Calvin Ridley adds to this team. I really, really do. I like this. I, I thought the acquisition was going to work regardless, but now I'm actually seeing it. Um, the Trevor Lawrence connection, I love it. Uh, he Trevor Lawrence, he made some really beautiful throws um, that, <laughs> like, kind of like one of one. Like, a lot of quarterbacks in this league can't do that. So I like Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, I, I really like what I saw from him. Probably like the second-best quarterback in football this past weekend. But, you know, I, I'm on my business. But the Jaguars look really, really destined to be an 11 12 win type of team this year. Jacksonville at seven. At six, I have the Lions. I think they are a willed oil machine as well. Um, they're nine and two in their last 11 games. So they're a really good team. Jared Goff, 359 straight passes without an interception. That is pretty impressive because guess what? I've read that graphic. Most turnovers since 2018. Jared Goff was right next to Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. So pretty good sign that he's not turned over the football. But I always said, you give Jared Goff a really good offensive line. Check. That's what the Lions have. You give him some nice weapons on the perimeter. Check. The Lions have that. And you also give him a really competent, creative play caller and play designer. Ben Johnson, check. The Lions have that as well. They're gonna be they're gonna be pretty good this year. I don't quite understand why people why the people are so low on the Lions. I don't I don't quite get that. They have a pretty good team. At five, I got the Chiefs. Um, I'm not gonna not gonna go crazy. And yes, I know the Lions beat the Chiefs, but that's why I say this is not your regular normal power rankings. I think the Chiefs are a better football team. The Lions just were better that day. Um, the Chiefs they hopefully they get Travis Kelsey back. Um, they do get Chris Jones back that he's, they, you know, he got a one year extension. Um, now I will say this on the bright side and the positive note about the chiefs, this could be the best defense they have had in the Mahomes era. I, I think I'm, I think I'm confident in saying that this could definitely be the best defense that they have had in the Mahomes era. Now on the flip side of to that, I think outside of when you, if you if teams are able to take away Travis Kelsey, which is easier said than done, but if you're able to do that, the Chiefs you make life really difficult for the Chiefs. You make life really difficult because I don't know outside of Kelsey, they're relying on some really young receivers to come through and make plays. And as we saw in week one, Kadarius Tony, he has a case of the droplets um, and butterfingers. So I don't know. Maybe Kansas City has a wide receiver problem. Maybe Kelsey and Mahomes are good enough where they can kind of mask that deficiency. Um, and with Kelsey presence being back, it shouldn't be as glaring as an issue as it was in week one. But I'm not going to panic. Chiefs at five. At four, I have the Eagles. Like I said, they weren't sharp. Um, I worry about the continuity of this team with them losing both offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. They lost both coordinators. Um, Jalen Hurts didn't quite get into a rhythm, didn't quite really need to because they got off to an early lead, but the Patriots came back storming, and the Eagles did just enough to walk away with the win. I'm not too concerned, um, but I do worry about the continuity. And their defense looked pretty good. Defense looked damn pretty good. But I am worried about the continuity um, in, the in the sustainability of their offense and how their offense is going to continue to look as the season go on. Eagles at four. At three, I have the Dolphins. 
I I I was really impressed. I think I walked away being impressed the most by the Dolphins. Not by the Niners or the Cowboys, because I kind of figured they would be really, really good. But the Dolphins impressed me. Um, Tua, he averaged 10.4 yards per attempt, per pass. So, like, you know, we, we call him noodle arm, and he doesn't have the biggest arm. But the Dolphin was averaging nine yards per play versus the Chargers in week one. They look really explosive. I think their defense will get better as the year goes on. Um, I, I, I believe in Vic Fangio. He's one of the elite coordinators that we have in football. And they did all of this without their left tackle offensively. So I like the the, the trend that I like where the trajectory the Dolphins are looking like. I like it. I like it. I got them at three. At two, I, t- I put the Cowboys at two. Um, what you need to know about this Cowboy team is they take away the ball. And over the past two years, they have led the league in takeaways. If I'm if I was if I was to take an educated guess, I think they're gonna probably lead the league in takeaways this year as well. Um, they have one of, if not the best defensive player in football, Michael Parsons. I mean, I mean like that dude. Like, I hate to say it, and I, I'm sorry, but, like, when you watch Michael Parsons play, like, you can't help but not see, like, flashes of Lawrence Taylor. Like, dude is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, like I said, Cowboys offense didn't have to do much this week, but their defense did everything. Um, Really, really sharp defensively. Cowboys at two. And at one, I have the 49ers. Uh, they look like a juggernaut. They look like a whaled oil machine. The, the way how they they knocked Pittsburgh out, and it was it quite it really wasn't quite competitive. Um, that's kind of telling because I think Pittsburgh is pretty good. And if Pittsburgh is as good as I think they are, or if they're like halfway as good as I think they are. That's kind of scary because this Niners team looks really good. <laughs> I mean, Fred Warner, top five defensive player in football, probably. Um, his impact is just it's just phenomenal. But then offensively, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy can play. You know, say what you want about Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy can play. Um, and and there's just certain instinct instincts and things that he do instinctively and throws that he can make that. You need to be able to make at the, at the, at this spot at this level, and he does it pretty proficiently. Um, so I got the Niners at one. So um, yeah, that is going to uh, that's my top ten teams list. Uh, I didn't. I, I got to a lot. I talked about a lot. Um, I will definitely. I would definitely probably have another episode coming out this week. Um. I want to talk about some. I want to give. I want to talk about a little bit more college football. So I'll probably do a separate episode of that, and then we'll probably have another episode leading in going into week two, talking about week two. But without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy. Always remember two choices, one decision. I am out. Peace, deuces, gone. <laughs>